What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 124 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to continue breaking down week 17. Earlier in the week, we dropped a podcast going over some of the early week things that you needed to look at for week 17, uh, team motivation, the playoff hunt, what we could learn about the slate from a Vegas perspective, looking at the lines. Now on this episode, we're going to get into the weeds, you know, dig deep, optimal cash game lineup construction, the highest owned plays on the slate, tournament strategy, leverage stacks, long shots, everything you need to know to keep up to date with week 17 in the NFL and make some money if you're playing DFS on Sunday. But before we get into any of that, Joey, can you tell the people how to support the podcast? You can help support the podcast by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we tweet out links to the podcast, links to articles, clips, uh, other videos. Anything that we put out is tweeted out on our Twitter, so make sure you are following us over there. Another way you can help support us is by making sure you are subscribed or followed on whatever podcast platform you use. So if you're listening to this right now, just make sure you are subscribed. It's free to do so. It's right under the name of the podcast, so make sure you go ahead and do that. Another way that you can help support us is by going over to your YouTube app, type in the search bar, the DFS Dose. We should pop up. Make sure you are subscribed to us over there. We're currently at like 155 subscribers, uh, so if we can get to 160, that would be pretty lit. And then finally, if you want, you could join our free Discord chat, which is linked down below in the description, and this is one of the prime weeks to be in that discord because we're going to be keeping up with all of the news that happens from now until Sunday at lock. And then we're going to be talking about uh, some decision points that we have to make and some players that we like. And then Ben also puts out some of his favorite tournament plays in that same discord chat. So make sure you join. It is free link down below in the description. Absolutely. Now let's get right into the things because we got a lot to cover here. Optimal cash game lineup construction. We usually separate this, talk about the chalk, but the chalk is going to be the optimal this week because everybody knows, you know, everybody knows who's playing for what it's all out there. And this is what it is, right? Optimal cash game lineup construction. And as is the case with every week 17 NFL slate, it's going to be a stars and scrubs type of week. There's players who are going to be seeing increased work times and they're at reduced price tag. So they're going to get jammed into these lineups. And then we've got a couple of stud players that everybody's going to want to play, namely Derrick Henry, Devontae Adams. I think the most popular build in cash games this week on DK are going to be lineups that contain both players. We have value at virtually every single position, so it's not hard to get there. It's not hard to jam two 9K plus players into your cash lineup this week. It'll be the most popular build, but Joey, is it the optimal build this week? In my professional opinion, I don't think it is optimal to jam in Mm both Derrick Henry and Devontae Adams. Maybe I'm wrong, but the way that I'm constructing lineups right now, you really only need to play one of them to have a very, very solid cash game lineup at this point. And I think there are a lot of receivers in play in the mid-range and in the lower range that 
have similar target upside to Devontae Adams. Obviously, they don't have the talent that he does. Obviously, they don't have Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball in a game where if the Packers win, they secure the one seed. So baiting Devontae is always a tough thing to do in cash games. But I think this week you can get away with it. And right now, if I had to pick one, I'm building with Derrick Henry over Devontae Adams in my cash game lineup, which a lot of quote-unquote pros don't think think is the right thing to do but Derrick Henry is a different animal and it's just a phenomenal spot for him this week against Houston yeah I mean it couldn't be a better spot right Houston is the literal stone nut worst defense in the NFL they're allowing (laughs) the most fantasy points per game to opposing backs Titans are favored by a touchdown they have a 32 point implied team total highest on the slate and this is the highest totaled game Last time these two teams played, Henry went for over 200 yards rushing. He's a little bit over 200 yards away from hitting the 2K mark. It's completely in reach against this terrible defense. I'm right there with you, man. I think Henry is the best play, the best raw play on this slate. And if I had to choose between the two, I'm also going with Henry now. Kind of, I'm there with you about the Adams thing too. Like, I think he's a phenomenal play this week. And I think there's merit to playing him just off the strength of the block because he's going to be so highly owned, but the mid-range is loaded, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but guys like Justin Jefferson, guys like Jonathan Taylor, who you can play with in a more balanced build, I think it makes a lot of sense for lineups this week in cash games. Yeah, I definitely agree with that point, and Derrick Henry is a stone-cold lock this week. Like, I don't I don't think they want to feed him records. Um, if that was the case, he would have been in the game against the Lions scoring all of those touchdowns, so I don't know if they're going to try and get him to the 2000 yard mark but god he could he could get it just based on game flow and obviously with this game being the highest projected total on the slate right now um there could be a lot of points scored there could be a lot of yards accumulated so derrick henry is the guy for me and i I think you can pay down below 6300 for each and every single one of your wide receiver positions but like we said Devontae is a fantastic play so if you want to go there I will never blame anybody for playing Devontae Adams. I mean, the guy's great, but for me, it's three under 6,300. Interesting, interesting. We'll get to that shortly, but one of the reasons why it's so easy to pay up for both Henry and Adams in the same lineup is because there is so much value at running back, at receiver. You can make arguments for value guys at tight end and quarterback too. So starting off with the value at running back, I mean, a couple of the guys that are super interesting, Ty Johnson is going to be starting for the Jets with no Frank Gore or LaMichael Pirine. We've got Rodney Smith, the third string back for Carolina, stepping up in place of McCaffrey and Mike Davis. We have Malcolm Brown, maybe. Cam Akers returned to practice on Friday. He could get in there and throw a wrench in the Malcolm Brown play, but Brown is projecting as one of, if not the best point-per-dollar plays on the slate right now as it currently stands, 4300 for the Rams. And then today... The biggest news of the entire week was dropped on us that Alvin Kamara has been placed on the COVID-19 list following a positive test, and as a result, we have Latavius Murray priced at 5600 in a game where the Saints are going to be giving everything they've got in their last attempt to secure the number one seed if they're able to get there and a Packers loss would occur as well. So, I mean, discuss the value running backs here, and do you think that Latavius Murray is a lock? That, that's where we should start. Yeah, Latavius is a stone-cold lock, along with Derrick Henry. Yeah. Um, those two running backs are going to be the highest-owned running backs in cash games, I think, uh, for Week 17, and rightfully so. I mean, Latavius is in a great spot against the Panthers, the Saints, 
could potentially get the one seed, so there is motivation there. It's a good price on him, 5,600. I'll just say, if I had to throw money on one player to score a touchdown besides Derrick Henry in Week 17, it's Latavius Murray. Mm-hmm. I, I think... I think he's a stone-cold lock to score at least one touchdown in this game against the Panthers. So I'm I'm locking him. I'm locking Henry. And then with the flex, it's just a discussion if you want to pay down to one of the cheap running backs that you mentioned. And I think the guy that stands out the most for me is Malcolm Brown. If Cam Akers is out, which personally I'm expecting him not to play, coming off a high ankle sprain, he's missed what, like one or two games. That's an injury that usually keeps running backs out at least three weeks minimum, but they could jam him in there. I know you think they could jam him into the starting lineup because it is essentially a playoff game against the Cardinals, right? Yes. So he could get jammed in. I don't think they will. I think they'll roll Malcolm Brown. And if he starts with no other Rams running back active with Henderson going to IR, this is a guy who's not going to leave the field. He'll factor into the passing game a little bit with Cooper Cup out. He's going to get the goal line touches. He should get 20 plus touches in a good matchup against a Cardinals defense that just gave up 200 plus rushing yards uh, to the Niners last week. So it's a good spot for Malcolm Brown. And I would expect him to be chalked to the trio of running backs. Henry, Murray, and Malcolm Brown is going to be the chalkiest trio in week 17 for cash games by far. Uh, Without a doubt. And and I think that Malcolm Brown definitely stands out over Ty Johnson and Rodney Smith as potential options for that value spot. Where things stand right now with the Cam Akers thing, Akers returned to practice Friday. He is dealing with the ankle sprain. So it would be a very quick turnaround if he was able to get in there. I think it's interesting that Sean McVay didn't rule him out all week. Like if he was going to be out, I think they would have ruled him out. They did it early in the week last week. You know, maybe they're just trying to keep the other team guessing. But like, I mean, what's the point of that? We're in do or die time right now. It's week 17. Um, he returned to practice Friday and, and because it's a loser go home type of game, I think that they could maybe jam him in with no Jared Goff and just fear that the offense completely falls apart without some level of explosiveness. And Malcolm Brown just ain't that. Now, I mean, Cam Akers could at least bring some type of, you know, dynamic threat to the offense, but maybe that's just wishful thinking. I think it's interesting that it's a game. Uh, it's an afternoon game. And it's reportedly a game time decision. So this is something that we're going to have to be ready for late swaps. If you do indeed jam Malcolm Brown into your cash lineup, um, just be ready to make that swap in case Cam Akers comes back. Because if Akers is ruled in and it's like, you know, at 2.30 on Sunday afternoon, Eastern time, then you're you're kind of done for. You're just going to have to pivot to what, like Judy or Chanel or, or even to Rodney Smith, I guess. But you can't you can't run him if Akers is in. I mean, I don't know because he's still cheap and obviously Akers would be back and that would hurt him. So you're probably right that you can't play him in cash. But I still think he would be a good play in tournaments because Cam Akers wouldn't come back off a high ankle sprain and assume a 95% workload, you know, which he had two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Uh, I don't think that is in play at all. So if he does end up playing, I don't think he's going to be a full-time player. So Malcolm Brown should still see touches, but it would be a tough cash game play for sure. Uh, in Malcolm Brown if Cam Akers is ruled in. So like you said, just got to be ready for that swap. 
welcome the 230 news and the, there's some pivots like you mentioned Rodney Smith who's projecting as one of the better point per dollar values right now and then some of the wide receivers that are that are cheap so you have options and those options aren't too bad so wouldn't be really too worried about it to be honest well, let's talk about some of those options at the value wide receivers because I honestly want to know how we're like even supposed to sort through all these guys there's so many Jerry Judy 4,200. He saw 15 targets last week and KJ Hamler is confirmed out for this game. We've got LaVishka Chenault also 4,200, same price and should be the focus of the Jags offense with no DJ Chark, no James Robinson. And the Colts are set to be without multiple starters in their secondary, just softening the matchup for Chenault there in what should be a pass heavy game script. Gabriel Davis, 3,600. There's no Cole Beasley. We're expecting the Bills to rest some of their starters, which I would imagine would extend to Steph Diggs and John Brown as well. Brown might even still be on the COVID list, if I'm not mistaken. He got added after um, coming back from the injury. Then at the absolute bottom of the barrel, we've got Josh Reynolds, 3,200, led the Rams in targets last week and should play every snap with Cooper Cup out. Richie James, 3,100, no Brandon Ayuk, no Debo Samuel. And the last time that both of those guys missed, what did Richie James do? He put up nine for 184 and one right on the Packers heads on a showdown slate, which I, I remember <laughs> vividly. So, I mean, how are you sorting through these guys? Who stands out? Who do you want to play? Who do you want to fade? Uh, what do you think in value wide receivers? Yeah. So John Brown actually did get activated today. Did so he? Okay. Okay. He, he, he got activated. So he's 3,600, but I want to assume for him to play a lot, uh, maybe, I'm wrong on that. Maybe he comes back to try and uh, shake off the rust and get back into uh, game form, but probably not in consideration for me in cash games. I think LaVisca is a good play. I think he is in cash game consideration. Jerry Judy is the same price, and if I had to pick one, I would probably prefer, I don't know. I think I might prefer Jerry Judy, to be honest, mm -hmm. uh, in, in cash games. Just a, a very good matchup against the Raiders. Obviously, the Broncos don't have anything to play for, but Jerry Judy needs a redemption game after having like five drops last week on 15 targets. Dude had six uh, catches on 15 targets. How does that happen? Yeah. I mean, I know Drew Locke's throwing the ball, but come on, bro. I mean, he dropped five passes in one game. Brutal. So I, I think Judy has a redemption game, um, and I would probably prefer him to LaVisca. I do think Drew Locke is better than whoever the you know the Jags are gonna throw out as their quarterback. Who is it? Mike Glenninger. Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think they switched yet to Minshew. I think it's Glennon. Yeah, yeah. So I mean Glennon is just god awful. So they're basically the same play, and I think Jerry Judy has a little bit more upside. So I would probably prefer him. And then uh Richie James, I think, is in play. Thirty one hundred if you want to go there. I think Josh Reynolds is a better play than Richie for a hundred more. Just because that is going to be a more competitive game, although the Rams might score less than the Niners. I think the Niners are in a similar similar situation. They've lost key pieces on offense. Trent Williams was placed on injured reserve. Like you said, Brandon Ayu, Debo Samuels out. You know, they have nobody the Niners on offense and this should be a very low scoring game uh, I think the Seahawks need to win they're trying to win right they do have an outside shot at 
the number one seed. So they would yeah. theoretically be giving it their all here, you would think. Yes. So, yeah, I don't expect the Niners to do much. Um, So that's why I would probably prefer Josh Reynolds. So those are my leans. Jerry Judy over LaVisca if you're playing a 4,200. And if you're playing a cheaper guy, Josh Reynolds over Richie James. But I think there are going to be a lot of wide receivers that come open within the next day mm-hmm. because of late news and because of players obviously not going to play. And I think that's going to open up some of these 3K wide receivers that we just don't know yet. Um, we don't know their roles, so we can't really talk about them. But I think something will open up and I could prefer them. So make sure you join the Discord to to keep up, up to date with, with that. Absolutely. I mean, so I'm right there with you. I think Josh Reynolds is you know, arguably one of the best plays there. I mean, a lot of these guys are just complete scrubs. I think Reynolds is at least like an NFL caliber wide receiver. The problem is like, no matter which one of these guys we're playing, we're just, we're getting some shaky quarterback play attached to our wide receivers in cash. Like it's going to be uh, Warford throwing to Reynolds. It's going to be Glennon throwing to Chanel, Locke throwing to Judy. Like it's just a tough scene that we're going to be depending on some of these absolutely trash quarterbacks. But I mean, I guess that's the beauty of week 17, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're god awful, but sometimes you gotta, uh, you just gotta do it. And week 17 is the week to do it, I think. Do you have any interest in me, Cole Hardman? I, I'm not personally on that wave. I didn't write him up in cash pool. He is also 4,200, just like Chenault and Judy. And I just, I personally have like no interest in this Chiefs offense with no Tyreek Hill, no uh, Patrick Mahomes, no Travis Kelsey. Like, I don't think, you know, me, Cole has the same value as he would with Mahomes in there uh, w- with Chad Henney tossing the ball. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I would, prefer LaVisca and Jerry with no Mahomes I I think that the Chiefs offense will probably score maybe 14 points probably less than that and their team total reflects that as well so I think this is a spot where you just don't play any Chiefs I mean they're just resting all of their players so no nobody in a cash game consideration for me on the Chiefs besides maybe one player which we'll talk about soon all right the biggest issue that I have with this slate personally is that I think that none of the value comes without a cost. I think that there's a significant opportunity cost no matter where you're punting it off. Like, sure, you can find 15, maybe 20 touches with Malcolm Brown at running back at 4,300, but what are you giving up? Like, you're giving up the chance to maybe play Jonathan Taylor, who I think is clear cut one of the best point per dollar and best just pure running back plays on the slate. Same thing with wide receiver. You could play. Josh Reynolds or, or Jerry Judy or whomever, but then you're taking yourself out of the running of being able to play Justin Jefferson, who is just an amazing play this week. So what point do you think the opportunity cost is sort of offsetting the value that we're getting and paying down for these guys? For, so for me personally, I think the opportunity cost is kind of offset by the salary that you're saving specifically with Jonathan Taylor to Malcolm Brown like Malcolm Brown is $3,100 cheaper than Jonathan Taylor and while I do agree that Jonathan Taylor is a great play and you can play him in cash games like he's in one of the best spots on the board against Jacksonville at home he's been the Indianapolis Colts workhorse running back for like the last month now hasn't put up less than 19 DraftKings points in over a month now so he's obviously a great play I just think it is kind of mitigated when you take into account the $3,100 discount that you're getting off of him to Malcolm Brown or another 4K running back if you have to pivot in that late game. And then with Malcolm Brown specifically, like I said, he's going to get 20 touches if he plays. So 
I think it is. I think it's okay to play Taylor, but I just don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I, I'm still struggling with that personally. I'm going to have to think about it, but that does make sense. I mean, I, I guess I'm just a little bit more uncertain about whether Akers is going to return. If I if I was more comfortable with that, I think I could be more on board with the Malcolm Brown play. I guess we'll see how that develops. Maybe we will you know, in, inevitably get a Schefter bomb Saturday night that clears this up with some time before lock, hopefully. In terms of quarterback and tight end this week, you know, both of them to me are really about what you can fit. I don't view any player at either position as a true priority play in cash games. I don't think there's any lock at quarterback or lock at tight end. I mean, do you agree with that? Or is there somebody that really stands out to you above the rest that you just have to jam in at one of those two positions? No, I don't think there's a lock at either of those positions. I mean, just speaking on quarterbacks, I think Lamar is clear cut the best play on the board this week mm-hmm. um he's eight thousand though which is the most expensive uh salary on the slate for a quarterback with mahomes not playing and he's got a phenomenal matchup against cincinnati and the ravens have to win if they at least want to guarantee or try and get into the playoffs i should say so lamar jackson is my preferred spend at quarterback if i have the salary just don't know if the build is going to work out like that And I think there are some cheap quarterbacks in play. Like if you really want to punt it off in cash this week, you know, I don't hate it. If you, if you have some conviction about John Wolford or Mason Rudolph, who's 4,300, Wolford is 4,900, uh, you know, by all means, go ahead and do that. I probably won't, but I won't hate anybody for taking the savings at quarterback to a guy like Mason Rudolph, who's 300 above the min price. And we know that the quarterback, Scoring is so tight and the range of outcomes are so narrow that there's a good chance that he 4Xs and doesn't kill your lineup. So if you want to go that route, don't hate it. I mean, I don't know if you heard, but Miles Garrett is a captain. (laughs) He's coming for that man, bro. I'm not playing Mason Rudolph. I'm sorry. That man is going to be on the ground before halftime. Yeah, I'm not playing them. I'm just, I'm just making a case if you, if you oh, really want to okay, play them. Okay. You know, if you need the savings at quarterback, uh, I think he is in consideration, but I'm not playing them. Um, I, I think the guy that you're going to play, if you find yourself, uh, needing salary and you got to pay down at quarterback is Mitch Trubisky, who's 5,600 at home against Green Bay. Like we talked about on the previous podcast, the Bears have been one of the best offenses in the NFL over the last month. Mitchell Trubisky seems to at least have in, taken a step forward recently. Um, he's been good, but like we talked about, you could get a meltdown from Mitch at any time. But I think he is the guy that has the most upside of out of all of these quarterbacks under 6k and i think he is the preferred option at quarterback if i'm paying under 6k i kind of disagree i like i like baker this week i don't know if i'm off on a limb by this i might be because he is not showing out very well in projection models but i mean the thing about the math is that the math doesn't have eyes and it can't see trubisky (laughs) and drew lock and and chad henny and and if you're in that price range give me baker mayfield because I know that he's no Patrick Mahomes, but at least he's a competent NFL 
quarterback. He gets all of his guys back, Landry Higgins, Peoples-Jones. You know, he's got Austin Hooper there, and the Steelers are going to be resting starters on both sides of the ball. On their offensive line, uh, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, both on the defense, have been confirmed out already. I bet more players who haven't even already been confirmed out will be out. So, yeah, I think Baker Mayfield gets it done convincingly. And you talk about upside under 6K. I mean, how many millimakers has Baker Mayfield won this year? Like two, three? <laughs> So yeah. I like Baker Mayfield a lot in a must-win game for the Browns. I think they bounce back after the disappointing loss last week against a bunch of backups for the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I think Baker's a, a good play at 5,500. I would still prefer Mitch to Baker. I think the Bears and Packers game is just a more competitive game, and the Bears may need to throw more to win that game to upset the Packers and get in the playoffs. So that's why I would prefer Mitch, and he also does have some rushing upside that I think Baker doesn't. So I think that's why I would lean Mitch over Baker in cash games. But Baker is a great play this week, 5,500, and could easily snap. And then uh, speaking about tight ends, which I didn't touch on originally, I don't think there is a clear option. But God, I mean, I hate to, I hate to say it, but... George Kittle at 6K is looking very, oh very enticing. Bro. I'm not. What's up with you lately? Bro, I, I don't know. I think that concussion well, a couple <laughs> weeks got to me. Got smacked in the head in flag football, and ever since you came back, you've been wanting to pay up for tight ends. Bro. Bro, it's just like. Call the, call the ambulance. It's a great matchup. The Niners have nobody, like no other wide receivers playing. Obviously, Samuel Ayuk out. CJ Bethard and George Kittle, like you got the complete narrative there. They went to the same college. They've been playing together for a long time. This is the George Kittle week. No cap. Like he's coming back and he's snapping. And you know he's a he's a guy that's gonna be out there giving it his all. That's just the type of dude he is. Now I don't know if you can fit him in cash games, but I'm one hundred percent playing him a bunch in tournaments this week. I think he is the best tight end play on the board, but tough to play him in cash games for sure. Yeah, I mean I'm not playing him in cash. I think he's fine in tournaments. I always think that paying up is fine in tournaments i just i can't justify it in cash i mean i'm sorry that you've lost your way i really am because i mean in your in weeks past we would be sitting here agreeing right now there's just a loaded range of cash viable tight ends sub 4k i think there are four guys within 200 dollars that you could make a case for in cash games between 3900 and 3700 we have irv smith janu uh, austin hooper coming off of 15 targets evan ingram who should see an increase in targets without Golden Tate, probably get a few more uh, you know, snaps in the slot there. So I like all four of those guys, and I don't think that there's any real deciding factor between them. It's like, you want to play one over the other? Fine. It's like whichever one gets a touchdown is going to separate. And for that reason, the two guys that I'm most interested in are Irv Smith and Jonu Smith because they're the two guys with teams with totals above 30. So they're on the offenses most likely to score more touchdowns. I think a touchdown is good enough to get you there in cash this week at tight end. And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I, I want to pay up for running backs and wide receivers, not tight ends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably going to pay down it to tight end myself. I just love Kittle a lot this week. So I, I would consider him in uh, tournaments for sure, but probably not in cash. And if I had to pick a cheap tight end that I like, I, I think... 
Irv Smith is the guy for me, 3,900. He, he's just shown that he has the ability to score touchdowns on limited snaps. So I like him a lot. Janu has been kind of a disappointment this year. He, he, he's been solid, especially when the season first started, but as of lately and over the last two months, he really hasn't done much. So I don't know if I feel comfortable playing Janu, especially when the Titans run like three tight ends all game. Like it's kind of, dumb to me but I think Austin Hooper is a better play than Janu uh so I would probably go there over Janu Evan Ingram is in play 3700 going up against Dallas and Dallas is also missing a lot of players this week on the defensive side of the ball so the Giants and Evan Ingram could be a spot to target uh obviously not that high of a team total 21 points but they if they win they could potentially make the playoffs so they will be going all out they will be trying as hard as they possibly can on Sunday so I like Evan Ingram a lot yeah I mean I'm fine with like I said I'm fine with all all four of those guys I mean, I think you got to give Jonu a little credit. If he gets a touchdown in this game, he'll have 10 touchdowns through 14 games. I mean, what what else can you do? He's, he's missed a couple of games, so his season-long numbers don't look great. But he's been he's been pretty good. He's been pretty consistent, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I was saying over the last month or two, he hasn't really done much, but he did miss games. And he does have touchdown upside, for sure. It's just, like I said, they play a lot of tight ends. They play Anthony Ferkser. They play Swaim. Yeah. Um, so there's always potential vulturing involved in the Tennessee Titans tight end room so I don't know if I think Janu is a better play than Irv Smith Austin Hooper Evan Ingram yeah uh, I think that's fair let's move on to tournament strategy leverage long shot stacks each and every way we can go I want to start off with some general strategy this week you know are you altering the way you play for week 17 especially in terms of you know, limiting your player pool to guys who are in competitive games or, you know, you're going to be taking shots on some of these speculative guys like, you know, guys like, I don't know, for example, like James Washington, who might see a bunch of extra snaps with Steelers player sitting. I mean, that's just an example. Like, are you going to be taking shots on these speculative players on potentially dead teams? Or are you just going to be focusing on these guys who are, you know, giving it their quote unquote all for, for the playoff push? Yeah, I'm definitely going to take shots on these guys because I think that's where you get the uh, ownership leverage mm-hmm. is playing those guys that may not be on competing teams or on dead teams, I should say, uh, but they're still going to be out there playing the full game, playing four quarters. And some of them could be in good matchups, you know, whether that be James Washington or whoever is in play this week uh, that will not be owned. So definitely going to take shots on some of these bums because they're most likely bums mm-hmm. <laughs> that are going to be starting this week on those dead teams. I, I just I just have to say this. OK, so speaking about the Giants this week, like I said, they can win. This is kind of really off topic, random, but Darius Slayton. 4100. We got a lot of narratives going this week. All right. The Cowboys. Let me read you who they're, who they're missing this week. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys have ruled out Leighton Venderesh, their starting linebacker, and one of their cornerbacks, Rashard Robinson. Darian Thompson and Xavier Woods, who are also big players in their secondary, are questionable. So they could be without four pieces of, on their defense. The Giants are playing to try and get into the playoffs. It's a great spot for Darius Slayton. 4100. Then we have your bet with Adam Levitan of Established a Run, mm-hmm. Darius Slayton versus Sterling Shepard. 
he has to score more points. This is the Darius Slayton week. This is the week where he makes up all of the torture that he's put us through <laughs> for 16 weeks and wins one of us a million dollars on DraftKings. Jam Darius Slayton in this week. He is going for 30 points. Calling it right now. This is the goatiest week. Got a lot on the line with this guy. Got our pride on the line. Got our money Mm -hmm. on the line. Darius Slayton, very cheap. You get leverage off of those wide receivers that we talked about in the cash game consideration that are going to be owned right at that same price tag play Darius Slayton this week. Wow. I mean, I'll give it up to you. I love it. I'm, there are a couple things I have to say. One, I mean, I need to win a minimum of like $500 just to make up for all of the Millie Maker lineups <laughs> that I burned on Darius Slayton. You know, longtime listeners will remember I declared, you know, coming week one that I was going to play at least one Darius Slayton single entry in the Millie Maker every time the Giants were on the main slate with the Millie Maker. And I might have min-cashed on one of those entries all season. I stuck with it, just completely burning $20 each and every single week. So, God, please, Darius Slayton, help me get even. Second of all, the Levitan bet. I mean, do you know how how much I thought I had that in, you know, just in the bag when Sterling Shepard missed a bunch of games? Then Darius Slayton comes and does basically nothing for the second two months of the season now they're with like within six points or something like that and golden tate's out which is just boosting sterling shepherd's projection so i mean there's basically two ways i'm looking at it like one darius slayton is going to help us sail to the money sail to the glory beat the levitan bet or i i just need to put sterling shepherd in every lineup to leverage myself so if i lose i can still be happy so maybe I'm playing Sterling Shepard in every lineup is sort of a hedge. I don't know. Because either way, then, then I can say I want. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think this is the spot to double down. Double down. We don't hedge around, we, we don't, we don't hedge around here. We don't play okay, two Sterling, cash lineups. Sterling Shepard is 5,200. Darius Slayton is 4,100. Obviously, Shepard is projecting a little bit better. Um, he's a little bit safer as the PPR option on DraftKings, but Darius Slayton has the most upside out of any wide receiver on the Giants, and this is the week where him and Daniel Jones finally connect on one or two long touchdowns. And not to mention, he had one of his best games of the season against the Cowboys earlier in the year, and I would expect for him to repeat that same success. I mean, in the last three games, he's had a minimum of eight targets in each game, but hasn't gone over four catches. Yeah. So the variance has to swing in his favor. And I know this is kind of a long uh, segment on Darius Slayton, but I just have the most conviction in the world about this play. He's my favorite long shot play of the week. Um, He's my favorite tournament wide receiver play of the week. And we have a lot riding on him. So it's time to double down. And then if he lets us down, I'm deading him forever. <laughs> so. All right. I, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm with you. Darius Slayton for the win. You don't have to, you don't have to tell me twice about playing Darius Slayton. You say, you say it once and I'm right there with you. So I'm down with that. And, and while we're talking about leverage, like Slayton is perfect leverage off of all of those guys that we talked about. Hardman, Chenault, Judy, that are all going to be higher owned. And he's right in that same price tag. So I like that. One of the things that I want to hit on for leverage here is that I think the easiest way, like it's so simple, just play a balanced roster construction in terms of salary and you're immediately extremely different. It's that easy. Like why not target some of these mid-range guys? Like we've gone this entire podcast without talking about Nick Chubb. 
Like the fact that Nick Chubb is getting completely overlooked this week is insane to me. Like for all the reasons why I said I liked Baker in the passing attack, I like Nick Chubb in the run game. Like I don't think that the Browns are going to make the same mistake they made last week when they had no wide receivers and decided to get away from the run and then lose to the Jets. Like they're going to do what got them to the point where on the they're on the precipice of the playoffs and that's run the ball and it's going to be Nick Chubb a bunch of against a bunch of you know backup players for the Steelers and Chubb is going to do it I think he's going to have one of his best games of the year and, and I'm all about it same thing with like playing Justin Jefferson over Devontae Adams and we haven't even really spent enough time on how great of a play Justin Jefferson is yeah Justin Jefferson is a phenomenal play this week if you want you can play him in cash games for sure but at 7600 I don't know if he's really fitting the optimal cash game build right now so probably won't go there but he is a fantastic play he could break the rookie wide receiving yards record this week if he gets over 110 yards and I would expect for him to do that in this spot against Detroit I think Adam Thielen is also a great play and I would expect him to be lower owned and I think the Seahawks wide receivers are interesting a little bit DK Metcalf is 7300 Tyler Lockett is 5,800. They finally priced them down after weeks of disappointment. Um, if you want, you can go on the YouTube and hear my rant about how, how bad Tyler Lockett is. But this is a guy that does have a ceiling. He does have 30, 40 points in his range of outcomes. And it's his cheapest price on the year. DraftKings finally said, you know, we're going to price this bum down. <laughs> so you, so, so this is a spot where you could take advantage of Tyler Lockett's lowest price tag of 2020. So I think those wide receivers are very interesting in tournaments. And I think some of the Bucks wide receivers as well, like Chris Godwin at 6,600. And then you have your boy, Mr. Big Chest, who is uh, 5,500, very, very cheap. And then Mike Evans as well, who uh, is what, like... 70 80 yards away from having another thousand yard season which would give him seven straight which no wide receiver has done in the history of the nfl so you got a little narrative there and the bucks could be playing to face the winner of the nfc east so I, I like those wide receivers a lot in tournaments yeah i mean i, I love it um i do uh tyler lockett God, 5,800. It's crazy. I mean, I'm not playing him. uh, I know you're not playing him. He he could be a good play. I'm not playing him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you you basically hate the man. Oh, no, I do. (laughs) He's a beta. I don't f*** with betas, so. But at 5,800, I I do like him. Um, It's it's just a a crazy price tag for somebody with his upside. Some of the other guys you mentioned, I, I like them as well. I think Allen Robinson is interesting. He's going to go completely under-owned at 7,700. He's just going to get completely lost in the shuffle and make sense with, you know, Trubisky stacks or coming back on a Rodgers to Adams stack type joint. So I think that all of that makes a lot of sense, especially if you're down to fade cornerback narratives like Jair Alexander on Allen Robinson. I, I ain't worried about that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, just some guys that are getting lost in the shuffle, like Robinson, Lockett. Chubb and I think David Montgomery even as well in that same in that same situation Austin Eckler 7500 I haven't heard one person tout him after you know kind of disappointing his chalk last week and now he's going to be going up against the Chiefs backups like any interest in in any of these other running backs besides 
you know, Henry and Taylor, like the guys in between, the Eckler, the Chubb, the Demont. Yeah, I think they're all great plays. To be honest, I think David Montgomery is a fantastic tournament play. I mean, this is a guy that's been snapping for the last month, right? And he's not going to have ownership this week. Uh, didn't get a price increase after his game last week, so he's 7700 again. I, I think he's a fantastic tournament play. I think Aaron Jones is in play. Nobody's going to play Aaron Jones. And mm-hmm. if I can get Aaron Jones at 2% ownership in a, in a game that is going to be competitive and the Packers need to win to secure the one seed, um, which is very important. Give me Aaron Jones at 7,100. I think he's a, a fantastic tournament play this week. And how do you feel about David Johnson? Because he's 6,800 now, massive price bump up from the last couple of weeks, 5,100 to 6,800 in two weeks. But he's been snapping. He's been the workhorse in Houston, kind of ran hot last week. But this is a great spot for David Johnson. And, you know, I probably won't play uh, Dusty David, but is he in play for you? That's the real question. Absolutely no shot. (laughs) I made money on David Johnson last week. And when you win the lottery, you don't go buy more tickets. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying. I'm not trying to chase that. No, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. That's Ben's uh, RB14 in his best ball (laughs) right there. Hey, where did he finish? He might be there. No cap. (laughs) I don't think he's RB1. Points per game. He missed some time. I got bailed out. Chill. Um, Maybe. (laughs) Nah, but I mean, God, like we could literally talk forever. That's the thing is like I tried to highlight the best plays on this slate, but there's like so many strong tournament plays. And and one of the things that I would just recommend from like an overarching standpoint is if you're going to be playing tournaments, maybe your normal allotment of bankroll, spread it between more lineups that's what i would do that's what i'm going to be doing is i'm going to be playing more lower buy-in lineups than just like consolidating around you know taking some shots on bigger entry fees which i sometimes do because i just i want to get exposure to some of these plays and build unique lineups and just take shots this week especially like god miles gaskin 6500 potentially going against uh buffalo backups for a certain point of the game after he had what 34 points in his first game back like the amount of plays is just absolutely insane but let, let, let's wrap it up here two more segments to talk about for tournaments favorite stack and your long shots take it in uh whichever direction you want to start with yeah so my favorite stack is a chalky stack but it's just one of the better stacks on the board and it's a game stack is that Tennessee and Houston game Uh, I just think that is going to be the highest totaled game on the slate so I like the Titans side of the ball a lot I like AJ Brown a lot who has routinely snapped against the Texans every time he's played them uh, in his young career so I like him a lot Corey Davis is a good play. I would I would stack the Titans. I would double stack Tannehill, AJ Brown, Corey Davis. Obviously, that's kind of betting against Henry, but Henry's going to be one of the highest owned running backs, so you get some leverage there. And then there's plenty of Houston bringbacks. You got Kiki Cootie, Chad Hansen, uh, Brandon Cooks, your boy. Um, he's kind of priced up though. He's 6,900, but it is a phenomenal spot for the Titans. It's a phenomenal spot for the Texans. So that is by far my favorite game stack on the board. And then I just want to say if I'm stacking a team that isn't in a competitive game, it's going to be the Chargers going up against Kansas City's backups, uh, Justin Herbert. I think Keenan Allen isn't 
going to play in this game. He got put on the COVID list, so he's out. So there's some cheap options that you could pair Herbert with, like Mike Williams, Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton, and that is a cheap stacked target. Even include Eckler in there. Like I would, I would stack uh, Herbert and Eckler and run no Chargers wide receiver, and then you don't even have to run a bring back because the Chiefs aren't going to be trying at all. So I think that is the team that I'm looking at in a non-competitive game, but in the competitive games, the sack, the, the game sack that I like the most is Tennessee. And, you know, I'd like to have a different one just to add some variety to the show, but I don't. I mean, I absolutely love <laughs> the Titans stack. I mean, I don't see how you can get away from it. I, I know it'll be semi-chalky, but I think that there's easy ways to like differentiate yourself. Like, I don't think, the bringbacks are going to be that highly owned. I don't think Cooks. I don't think Cutie, mm-hmm. who, yeah, like you said, Cooks was my guy, and he is, but I actually like Cutie this week for the discount at 5,600. I think he's going to be virtually unowned, and he's had ceiling games already at multiple points this season. So I like Cutie as a bringback in the Titan stacks. And I just wanted to say that, like, you can play Tannehill and Henry together. And that's one way to get unique. Like, I know that they don't correlate in the way that, like, your brain would make you think makes sense, but... The scenario is just that the Titans put up over 40 points. And we saw this as recently as week six when these two teams played each other. And Tannehill had over 33 points. AJ Brown had over 20 points. And Derrick Henry had his highest scoring game of the season and put up 43. So these guys can all get there. They did it last year as well. Like this trio doesn't get there on volume. They get there on efficiency. And it can happen for all of them in the same game. You know, whether it be... Uh, you know, the, the main trio, or you want to throw Corey Davis in there instead of AJ Brown or play Johnny Smith for salary relief. Like I have no problems just onslaughting with at least three Titans and a Texan spring back. I think that makes a ton of sense this week. Yeah. And I think that is one of the highest upside stacks on the slate, to be honest, but I'll give another one. Um, just to just to give the listeners some more uh, stacks, I like stacking the Packers and Bears game. That should be one of the more competitive games. Has one of the highest totals on the slate, but the only player who's going to have ownership from that game is Devonte Adams. I think you can play Rodgers, you can play Mitch Trubisky, and then we obviously talked about Allen Robinson and David Montgomery being good plays, and then I talked about Aaron Jones being a phenomenal tournament play. Chicago is missing key pieces on defense. They're going to be without their two starting cornerbacks again this week. So Devontae Adams, like we said, he's in cash game consideration, but he literally could go off for 35 points in this spot. So I like Rodgers with Devontae in tournaments, and then you have David Montgomery or Allen Robinson on the bring back. That is one of my favorite stacks, and it isn't going to be that high owned, I don't think so. Yep, I, I'm right there with you. I think that that makes some sense. I mean, I have to play a little bit of Trubisky because he wins me tourneys. So I'm, I'm, I'll be, <laughs> I'll definitely have a Trubisky stack with uh, some some Adams bringbacks, long shots. I got a couple here that I will throw out. The first one that I think is really interesting is. Naheem Hines. Originally, when I thought about this, I thought that Jonathan Taylor would be stone chalk, and he is still projected to be really highly owned, but I wonder if that comes down potentially with Latavius Murray starting to get integrated into ownership projections. Um, I think that Jonathan Taylor could kind of be sneaky enough in his own right. Like He's not going to be sneaky, but he might not be even 20%. Like He might be 15% 
And if JT is 15%, I feel I feel good about playing him in tournaments as well. But Naheem Hines is a guy who is going to get utilized, and he's had multiple games this season with over 25 points. He can get there, and this is just a perfect spot where, you know, if the Colts are up to an early lead and they're projected to win this game by 14 points with a massive team total, well, then maybe they start, you know, easing back on Jonathan Taylor for the potential of, you know, working him in the playoffs and, and let Hines eat. And even if they don't, they use their running backs in weird ways at the goal line. Like, would I be shocked if Hines got two vulture touchdowns in this game at 4,900 at 1% owned? I definitely wouldn't. So in large field tournaments, Naheem Hines is a guy that I want to take a shot on this week. Yeah, I don't mind Hines, and I was uh, kind of thinking that the Colts just could be in, in control of this game and could scale Jonathan Taylor back a little bit, and then Hines would be the main beneficiary. So, like him a lot, and you said you had a couple, so, so who are your other uh, long shots that you like? The, the main one that I wanted to highlight here is I want to have exposure to both Vikings backs, I guess I want to say. Now, these aren't major positions that I want to take, but I think that you can sprinkle them in and still be overweight on the field. Like, if I play a couple of Mike Boone lineups just on the off chance that he works in over Alexander Madison at the min price and he comes in at a fifth of the ownership of all of the value guys that we talked about, Ty Johnson, Rodney Smith, Malcolm Brown, then I think that that's leverage. And I mean, Detroit is right up there with Houston in terms of being a terrible run defense. So um, especially if you play the 4K guy in Boone, who we think is somebody talented and in a great matchup in a game where a high total and they're heavily favored against a bad, embarrassingly bad Lions team. I think that there's some upside there. And if you want to just go to Alexander Madison as well, I wouldn't have uh, any problems with that. Madison looks like he's on track to play. He doesn't have an injury designation can cleared um, from his concussion. I know he had the appendectomy and that kind of slowed his utilization in the offense. But if you want to take a, a shot that he's good and in, in the wake of Dalvin Cook not being available, 6,100, Madison's going to go completely under-owned. And this is a dream spot for for a running back. Yeah, I like uh, the call on both of those guys, and I think Madison is going to be owned. We kind of didn't touch on is it. He? Yeah, he's he's going to have ownership. I I think Madison is going to. I think he's going to be around fifteen percent. I don't think you're going to get him under ten percent owned in tournaments, but I I think fifteen percent is a fine number. Uh, so I I still think he's in play. Uh, he's he's a great play, Mike Boone. If you want to take a shot, I don't know about that. Uh, he would only be in play if Madison was out for me but he has been running as the backup with Madison out maybe they use him at the goal line over Madison so who knows I probably want to do it but I could see it what do you got for long shots yeah so I mean I already said one in Darius Slayton so that's kind of my main long shot other than that Aaron Jones is sticking out to me I, I have some conviction on Aaron Jones this week he's going to be under 10% owned for sure and then uh, I, I'll steal one from you I think Antonio Brown your boy 5500 okay. I think this is the AB week the week I've been waiting for <laughs> I think Antonio Brown Obviously, has all of the talent in the world. There is some concern about whether the Bucks are going to play their starters the whole game, but I think that would benefit Antonio Brown because he hasn't been running like starter snaps. He's been playing behind, obviously, Evans and Godwin. So if they end up taking Evans and Godwin out of the game, I think AB gets all of the run. And at 5,500, just massive, massive upside there. You're going to get them at around 5% ownership. 
this week, maybe less, but it's definitely not going to go over 10. So if I'm taking a shot on a wide receiver in this mid-range in tournaments, it's 100% Antonio Brown this week on a team with a 28.5 team total going up against Atlanta. I will say Atlanta has been better on defense. Um, They've been only allowing what? like 20 points per game. They held the Chiefs to 17 last week. So they've been playing really well on defense. So it is kind of a tougher spot than it was earlier in the season. But Antonio Brown is just a different breed. And I like him a lot at 5,500. So Slayton, AB, and Aaron Jones are my guys this week in tournaments. I like AB. He had, what, 93 yards and a touch two weeks ago when these teams played. So I think there's some juice there. And I mean, anybody could abuse these Falcons uh, corners. So I think I think that's a good call for sure. I do have one guy that I have to mention because I haven't brought him up and he's one of my favorite plays on the slate. And that's Jarvis Landry, who I think is just like an absolute underrated asset in both fantasy and real life. But I mean, Jarvis Landry returns from the COVID list. I'm pretty sure he didn't have COVID. He was just a close contact. So we don't have to worry about like the COVID fog holding him down. And prior to him missing that game because of being a close contact, Landry had been averaging nine and a half targets per game over the last month. He should be Baker Mayfield's go-to receiver in this spot. And like we've talked about a couple of times, Pittsburgh's going to be resting starters. This has been a GPP Millie making winning stack before Mayfield to Landry, and I could see it happen again in, in a spot against backups. Uh, just Mayfield happy to have his guys back from COVID. Yeah, it's just he's 6500 so that that's kind of an expensive... Paying up to be contrarian. Yeah, that's kind of an expensive price tag for Jarvis Landry, but like you just said, paying up uh, to get different. And he, he does have a ceiling, but he only has two games on the season on DraftKings with over 20 points. So real quick though, how many of those games was he playing against a uh, second string defense? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. I Let mean, me I mean zero, right? But okay. <laughs> right, yeah, man. zero. But the thing is he's on a run first team. So I would probably just prefer Chubb uh, on the Browns. I think this is a Chubb week. And it's hard for Landry to eat when the coach is adamant on establishing the run and and basically limiting Baker Mayfield to what, like 25 attempts per game. And in this spot against the Steelers, they could get up big early and Jarvis Landry will not be needed. So I think there's some Mm -hmm. risk with him and I don't necessarily see the upside, but... I, I don't mind them if you want to stack the Browns this week, uh, if you want to stack that passing game. You got anything else for tournaments in Week 17? Nah, I mean, I, I think we covered a lot of it, to be honest. Uh, gave the listeners a bunch of players that we like, gave them some stacks that we like, and I think just the overall uh th- the overall point with tournaments this week is the balance build is the way to go. Like you mentioned, that is not going to be a very popular build with the stars and scrub approach likely taking all of the ownership. So if you want to win a tournament this week, you go with a balanced approach. You get great players in at every position and you lock in Darius Slayton into your wide receiver oh. spot this week in tournaments. That's all I got. Couldn't say it better myself. I think that sounds good. And I think that is going to be it for us here on the DFS Dose for episode 124. 
We will be back on Monday with our final recap episode of the 2020 season. We're going to be definitely doing some playoff content. I guess we'll announce that on the Monday show exactly what we're going to be doing. I imagine we're probably just going to be doing preview shows, not full recaps for everything, but don't, you know, fear not. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be here breaking down the wild card, the divisional round playoff slates on DraftKings, some of the better tournament slates every single year from a DraftKings perspective. So looking forward to the, uh, you know, looking forward to that. The action doesn't stop, but in terms of week 17, we've done all we can. So make sure you guys hop in the DFS Dose Discord chat. We're going to be here talking DFS all day Saturday, all day Sunday morning, getting you guys ready for week 17. Like Joey said at the top of the show, you can support us in a couple of easy ways. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, sub to us on whatever podcast platform you're using, whether that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or you know any other podcast. Joey, I found out, by the way, that people listen to podcasts on Amazon and we're not on there. So, you know, I feel crazy for that. And we got we got to get on Amazon podcast. That's the mission for us. <laughs> I didn't even know Amazon had. <laughs> Had a podcast section. Yeah, me I mean, who? Yeah, me neither. A friend asked me, and she was like, uh, "So, can I listen to your podcast?" I'm like, "Yeah. Well, uh, what do you what do you listen to? Apple, Spotify?" She's like, "Amazon." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't I don't have a link for that. I'm sorry, <laughs> never heard of that before." <laughs> What's an Amazon <laughs> podcast? That's what I'm saying. But listen, maybe that means that we could be like the only thing. You know, you search up DFS, and it's just us. So rest assured. Oh, that's if you're one fact. of those people who who listen to pods on Amazon. We'll be there soon fear not <laughs> but that's going to be it for us this week uh, make sure you follow us on twitter as well at the dfs dose and uh, you can follow our personal twitters as well i am at ben hover b-e-n-h-a-u-v-e-r joey tell them where they can find you, you can find me on twitter at joey carrying dfs all right guys thank you for listening let's have a profitable end to the season week 17 and we will talk to you guys on monday